Hello, hello, welcome to Chowderhead Sports here, coming to you live from Boston, Massachusetts, home of the greatest sports teams in the world. We've got the Red Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics, Super Bowl 51 champion Patriots. We've got it all here. And, you know, let's just jump right in. If you're from the New England area, you know we've gotten a lot of snow the last few weeks. It's, you know, been crazy, so I haven't been able to get this out. I've been keep delaying it and delaying it. But, uh, alas, Chowderheads is back. Uh, you know, talked about the Patriots a lot the last few weeks. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl. It was amazing. Um, and at the same time, there's no real news coming out anymore. I know there's been, you know, quotes of, oh, Brady might be getting a movie and, like, documentary made about his comeback. Malcolm Butler might be getting a documentary about his life from, you know, being, like, a Popeye's fry cook to Super Bowl hero and then two-time Super Bowl champ. So there's stuff like that going on, but nothing... And, you know, no contract news, you know, teams have till March 1st to really like franchise tag. And that's when free agency kind of really starts. So, you know, it's still a couple of weeks away, the draft too. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of Patriot news to talk about. So they're just not going to, I'm just going to put them away in the closet. I spent a lot of time on them. Obviously, you know, that's what happens. The Patriots just kind of take over the world in New England. Um, but it's over now, so let's get back to the Bruins and the Celtics. Those two teams have had a lot going on. Even the Red Sox, they're finally relevant again. Woohoo! But let's start off with the Bruins. Um, breaking, not so breaking news. The Bruins uh, fired head coach Claude Julien after um, a 6-5 to loss against Toronto. They moved on from, from him, and, you know, honestly... I think it was the right move. I know a lot of people have been up and down, like, ah, is that really necessary? The guy brought us to two Stanley Cup finals. You know, he's been our longest tenure coach. He's got, like, a lot of accolades with the team. And, yeah, I think he needs. To, we need to move on from him. There's no real, um, you know, I don't believe in necessarily adoring players or coaches just because they were good with you a couple years ago. I know I've bashed the... Miami Heat earlier for not really paying Dwayne Wade, but that's a little differently. Dwayne Wade still has enough in the tank, but when your team is constantly losing and you're in last place, well, not last place, but you're not really making the playoffs, you know, you've got a lot of potential and your players aren't meeting it, you know, I just think at that point, you got to make a change and Claude Julien was the first to go. And at the same time, it easily could have been general managers fired. I know we've got some new general managers, uh, Sweeney and whatnot. So I'm willing to say goodbye, Claude. Thank you for your time here. And he wasn't in retirement. I mean, he wasn't in unemployment long. He got a job the week later. He got signed by the Montreal Canadiens, which I don't know if I like. It's not that I don't agree with it, but it kind of feels weird. It'd be like Terry Francona going to the Yankees after we kind of fired him. You'd be like, really? Like, that's your number one rival, you know, by him going to Montreal, Claude Julien going to Montreal, you know, almost just kind of like gives a little bad taste in your mouth. You're like, okay, you had a lot of success with us. Now you're pretty much going to the enemy. So we'll see how that, you know, how it all plays out if that kind of, you know, uh, puts a flame in the rivalry a little bit because, you know, rivalries in hockey are dying and every sport they're dying. But, you know, I think this could really you know, kickstart it off again. It would be awesome if there's just really hard nose fought between the Bruins and Montreal. And Montreal's they're like the number one they're like the number one seed right now. I don't understand why you fire your head coach even though you're the number one seed. You know, I get it they haven't been playing great lately, but the Warriors just aren't gonna fire Steve Kerr after a couple bad weeks. You know what I mean? It's like you're still number one. You're still talented. But alas, Montreal did it. We'll see if that backfires. 
And, you know, since Claude Julien's been gone, the Bruins have been on fire. They've won their last three games. They beat San Jose 6-3. to They beat Vancouver 4-3. to And then they shut out Montreal 4 nil. So, you know, that last game was impressive. That was a very, um, you know, that's a win that you can say, all right, maybe this head coach, you know, maybe this, the firing of the head coach really uh, sparked a, you know, sparks in inspiration in the players and they're playing better, showing that, hey, if your head coach gets fired, any one of you guys could be on the move next. And I think that's something that players take personally anytime they see a coach get fired. So three three wins in a row, you got to like that. Uh, you can't really do much better than that. And they, they shut out Montreal. That's one of Rask's, you know, only shutouts, you know, this year so far in 2017, not the whole season but just this year I think he had one in like early January so very impressed with the way the team's been playing since Claude's been fired and then you know there's a there's a couple good stretch of games and we come come back tonight they're playing San Jose uh so it'll be good you know there was a little bit of break uh the last week so it'll be nice to see their uh you know if they can pick up where they left off because they played San Jose and then they play Anaheim and then they play LA and then Dallas so, you know, those are four games all on the road. So let's see if, you know, the Bruins can pull out a couple W's. But, you know, I think I, I definitely agree with making a move in the office, uh, whether it was GM, whether it was going to be the coach or, you know, I wasn't really feeling a blockbuster trade with the players, you know, trying to get rid of Bergeron or, you know, even though they just signed Marshawn, I don't think they tried to get rid of him. But, you know, I still just, I, I agree with more of an office move for the Bruins team rather than just like stripping the roster because I think there's a lot of good, talented players on the on the Bruins right now. And I think, you know, if they, like I said, if you kind of inspire the players or more or less say, hey, we're ready to move, we're ready to get rid of some of you guys if we have to, we just sent the coach out the door. Um, so I think that really woke a lot of players up and I was okay with a front office move rather than like a roster move because face it, if you, you know, have a bad team, your team's underperforming and you trade away one of your best players, it's not like it's getting any better. You know, it's not like you're going to be any better. So I think an office move allows you to like keep the same core of guys. Your talent's not going to get weaker, but you're going to bring in a new mind, you know, maybe with a new philosophy and might ask, you know, different things out of different players and that might, you know, lead to success. So overall, you know, very intrigued with what the Bruins are doing. I think it was about time they did it. Now, the whole fact that they did it on the day of the Patriots parade and they had like a press conference during it, you know, that, that was not a good look for the Bruins. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're not going to look back and be like, oh, gosh darn it, you fired Claude Julian on the Super Bowl parade. Like, shame on you. It's like, yeah, you know, it was in the media during the... uh the week when it happened but you know no one really cares now he's been fired the team's moved on everyone's moved on and to be honest with you like I didn't necessarily want this big fiasco of like oh my god Claude Julian's gone like and then being peppered with questions like why'd you do it now why'd you do it then like why not earlier why not this guy like you know what I mean like I am okay with it being during the parade because I don't necessarily want like the attention on that like if anything if you kind of keep it like subtle then you know and keep it you can do it you can kind of contain the media coverage of it because everyone's going to be talking about the patriots so that's the best time to do it because then you know you're not just going to get ripped apart for it there's a lot of you know backfire that comes when you fire a coach and basically 
you know, piggyback off of the Patriots' success to let that kind of mask what you guys are doing. I'm okay with that because I don't really want to, you know, have to sit. I wouldn't want to sit and answer a bunch of questions like, why'd you fire him? Were you not okay with this thing? It's like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't think the team was headed in the right direction under Claude anymore. That's pretty much it. You know, it, it, the coverage of a coach being fired or a manager in baseball, um, you know, it kind of just gets boring after a while. So I'm glad they did it during a time when no one's going to like really, really focus on it. They'll talk about it, but it's not going to be like, you know, six hours, you know, the special Bruins fire head coach. Like, I'm done talking about it now. Don't worry about it. So that's pretty much it. We'll see where the team goes, but hopefully it's in the right direction. So let's move on now to the other team that plays in the TD Garden, the Boston Celtics, who, since the last time I've talked, have been on a tear. These, first of all, they became the most winningest franchise in NBA history because they beat the Lakers on February 3rd. I was actually at the game. Uh, it was an awesome experience to see basically history unfold before my eyes. The Celtics became the best, you know, most winningest franchise. It was just, it was an awesome experience. I was very glad to go. And at the same time, you know, it's more than just like we've, you know, won that game. Like, ooh, that's a novelty. The team's won a significant amount of games. I think in the last few weeks, we've only lost two games. One to Sacramento, which, you know, I'm not going to give any excuses. You should beat Sacramento the two times you play them. But, you know, they... They've been able to beat some pretty good teams this year. I think Sacramento beat Golden State, so they're not a great team. They're not a good team. They're kind of garbage, but at the same time, they're a team that can like beat good teams. You know what I mean? They're kind of like, um, I don't know, like maybe like the I'm trying to think of like an NFL team that I I would might put them somewhere like the um. Let's go with, like, the Ravens. Like, the Ravens aren't a great team, you know, but they're a team that can upset you. Like, when they won the Super Bowl, they did it by upsetting everyone in the playoffs. So they kind of, eh, but anyways, that's not important. Uh, anyways, so that was a loss. And then, you know, basically we've been on a tear. We've been beat Toronto, beat L.A., both L.A. teams, both the Angels, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers and the L.A. Clippers. We beat them beat Portland, beat Utah, which was a great Utah team. They're phenomenal, and we beat them on the road in their own house. You know, that was something that I liked uh, to see. You know, that was a big game I had circled down the calendar. We beat Dallas. We beat Philly, which obviously is an accomplishment, but you know what I mean? You know, you got some good wins, and then Chicago, that last loss to Chicago, which happened on Thursday, February 16th. What an awful call. If you haven't seen it, I recommend you look it up, like Marcus Smart foul on Jimmy Butler to end the game. It was, you know, towards obviously towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter, very close. And Jimmy Butler goes to go up for a shot. And, you know, Marcus Smart puts his hand up. And, I mean, barely, if even he actually touched him, it's even hard to tell. Maybe just on the fingertips, touches his elbow. Just his elbow. So think about, you know, when you have a jump shot and you've got your arm up and the ball's like kind of near your ear, right? Think about where your elbow is to where like your shooting hand is. Now say when you're shooting, if someone lightly taps your elbow, that's not going to cause you to miss the shot. You know what I mean? It's not going to, it's not like when someone hits your wrist or hits like more on the upper part of your arm, then yeah, the ball flight could be affected, but he barely grazed his elbow and they put a Jimmy Butler to the line, you know, with what a couple like a second or two seconds left and he hit his free throws Celtics ended up losing 104 to 103 I watched that and it was 
so infuriating because the Celtics had been playing great. And for it to come down like that, you know, on a really bad call, like at that point in the game, two, three minutes left in the fourth quarter, the, the refs just need to let the players play. You know, obviously there's intentional fouls, but when it's not a hard foul or when it's not an intentional foul, you got to just let the men play. There's no, none of this like, oh, flopping. Oh, he barely scraped me. Like, you know, like all that stuff. Like, really? Like, let's grow up here, play some basketball like grown men. And, you know, if someone lightly taps your elbow, that shouldn't be a foul. I could see if you smack his arm and you hear it. Like, if you hear the like, you know, like skin on skin smack, then yeah, obviously call a foul. But if he's barely grazing his elbow and you, can, you can't even see it, you can't even tell, then that shouldn't be called. Honestly, I was infuriated, but that's just the way ref, refing goes in every sport. You know, there's always bad calls. And with basketball, it's just infuriating because you see people like diving all over the place. It's turning into soccer at this point. You know what I mean? That's a soccer foul that you called right there. That's, that's equivalent to like, you know, right around the 90th minute, and, you know, you've got a player in the, in the box and, you know, someone barely taps his shoe and he flies off and then they give him a penalty shot and he scores and wins the game. That's basically what happened there. You know what? It's, it's, it's sad that sports have come to, like, you need to be able to act now. You need to be able to act like you got fouled for you to have an advantage. Um, so it's just bothersome. But, you know, with, with that you know, out of the way, if you, if you don't look at that game, um, then out of the last 14 games, they've lost two games. So they're 12 and 14 over the last, I don't know, three weeks or so. You know, that's, that's a great job. And if you think about it, we haven't even been like 100%. We've had people injured. Uh, Avery Bradley hasn't played. I don't even know if he's on the roster anymore. He's, you know, he hasn't played in so long. Uh, you've got, you know, a lot of, you know, people coming in and out. I know Horford has been banged up a little bit. Uh, same with Crowder, but everyone is playing well, and it's all on the back of Isaiah Thomas. He has solidified himself as a clear All Star in this game, borderline superstar. You know, he's put up unbelievable numbers. I think he just broke, I think it was Havlicek's record of like most consecutive twenty point games in franchise history. Um, I think he did it with forty one games. Uh, in a row, so that's impressive on its own. He had a string, yeah, 41 points against Detroit, 44 against Toronto, and then 38 against Los Angeles. That's incredible. That's incredible. Even he had 37 the night before the Detroit game, so four games in a row, he had over 37 points, 37 and over. That's ridiculous. You know, he's been the top scorer pretty much every single game. So I'm impressed with the way he's stepped up. And I do know that he's not going to do this in the playoffs necessarily because in the playoffs, defenses clamp around those kind of guys. You know, you're playing the same team at least four times. You know, they're going to be able to, you know, put a lot of attention on Isaiah. So it's going to really be like Isaiah puts up maybe 20 points and someone else has to kind of take the take the load because I'm sure they'll double team Isaiah, especially when it gets into the paint. They're going to swarm him and hack him to death because he's like 5'7". So at the same time, you know, you need your other players to step up. It's nice to have a superstar or a borderline superstar like Isaiah, but you really, in this league, you know, you can't win with one guy. You know, we saw that with LeBron. 
you can't just win with LeBron. You can't just win with Dwight Howard when he was on the Magic. You know, you kind of need two, three, like even two guys isn't enough. Look at the look at the way the Thunder ended up. They had Westbrook. They had Durant. That wasn't enough to take them to the promised land. So you need to have a a third guy. You know, it's it's sad that you can't. You need to build like an unbelievable roster to win, but that's just the case. You know, it's it almost feels like baseball where you not buy a good team because there's there's salary caps, but at the same time, you need to understand that. You know, look at the Warriors. They have like four All Stars on their team. Really, like, is that what we're doing now? So the Celtics are still a piece, maybe two real good pieces away from being a contender. I see their their ceiling this year is Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I just don't think they have what it takes to beat, you know, uh, a team like Cleveland in a four game series. They just don't have the guy because LeBron's unbelievable. Like, who do we have that could guard LeBron? No one. No one can really guard. No one in the league can really guard LeBron. But he's definitely something that, you know, I think a Paul George coming to the Celtics, a Jimmy Butler coming to the Celtics, now we're talking. Now, all of a sudden, that guy might get double teamed, which frees up Isaiah. Um, or Isaiah gets double teamed, which frees up, like, Paul George. Like, that would be unbelievable. I, I would give up an arm and a leg to have Paul George on our team. I like him better. If I could pick Paul George or Jimmy Butler... I'm going with Paul George. He plays for the Pacers, if you guys don't know. He's number 13. He's unbelievable. Just go type in, like, Paul George highlights. He's unbelievable. He can shoot the rock. He can dunk it. He can, you know, attack the rim. He's got a lot of, you know, attributes that you just can't teach someone. He's just got that basketball IQ. And Jimmy Butler is great, too. Jimmy Butler's a, you know, dead-eye shooter. You can, he can, you know... Put, put the ball in the net even if someone's in his face. He's also clutch as we saw. He hit the free throws at the end of the game, which the Celtics lost. But at the same time, I just don't think he takes over games as much. Plus, I think it's going to be really hard to pry him away from Chicago. I think the 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 Bulls want to hold on to him. He's got like a good deal. I think it's like he's still got three years left, and they're only paying him like 17 mil a year. You know, that's not the type of contract you trade away. You milk that puppy out until the last year, and then maybe you trade him. Um, so Paul George would be my dream signing or trade. I don't know what the Celtics are going to do. I know there's only a couple days left in free agency. I want them to make a splash. I I want us to, you know, maybe get rid of the Brooklyn pick because right now, right now you can trade it to teams saying this is most likely going to be a number one pick. By the end of the year, it could be like a number three pick and it won't be as valuable. So I think right now a lot of teams are looking at the Nets and looking at the 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 pick that the Celtics have from them and are saying, okay, this is probably going to be a number one. At the end of the season, if you try to trade it like before the draft night, it could be like a five or a three. So, you know, right now it has, I think it has a higher value than it could at the end of the year, which is why I'd want to see us move it. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what Danny Ainge wants to do. But the Celtics are impressing me a lot. They're definitely making me close my mouth. Um, about them not being a good enough team because they've beaten some good opponents. You know, they beat Houston, they beat Milwaukee. Uh, those are two teams that, you know, I would say, all right, if you beat those guys, then you're definitely above middle of the pack. You're definitely in the, you know, top tier. Maybe not like, you know, you're in the top. If you beat teams like that consistently and you're putting away teams that you should, like Utah, um, 
and and whatnot then i'd in in toronto then i'd put the celtics i'd probably say as far as like the top top five top seven definitely top seven because you've got warriors and then cleveland spurs and then right there you might you might go rockets you might go celtics you might go washington I know Washington's not going to be like number, I think they're third in the Atlantic or in the Eastern Conference. They're not going to be there long. Um, so then all of a sudden you might throw the Celtics in there. So I definitely have a lot of respect. I think we're on the climb and we're heading in the right direction as far as, you know, the, you know, as far as, you know, being a real playoff team. Right now we are second in the Eastern Conference. Um, we've got, we're three games behind. Cleveland so we'll see where it goes as far as the Red Sox haven't talked about them in what feels like forever because there's no real Red Sox news going on except spring training is here spring training finally has arrived the players are all in Fort Myers they reported uh, pitches and catches did earlier in the week and I think everyone had to report yesterday but I know a lot of players were there earlier or no Friday I think they had to re- had to go um, so I know a lot of people are really, you know, excited for this baseball team because we've added so many, you know, free agents and it's going to be interesting. No Ortiz, now you've got Sale and, you know, what's going to happen there and what's going to happen with, you know, the the starting rotation. Who's going to be the guy who's replacing Ortiz? You know, who's going to step up at the catcher position? You know, who's going to catch over? Who's going to step up at the third base position? Pablo Sandoval looks kind of thin. I heard he's dropped somewhere near 40 pounds since last year's spring training so that's something that's definitely encouraging um he's a guy that we signed a couple years ago the panda like everyone was excited he's got a big cult following and then he just couldn't keep his weight in check so we'll see where where he goes in the future uh with this organization but he's got you know really if he doesn't put it together this year then i'm ready for the self for the red sox to move on from him he's got a great opportunity Third base is a weak position for us right now. It's going to either be him or Brock Holt. We traded away Travis Shaw, so no more mayor of Ding Dong City. It's going to be those two, and I wanted to see Pablo. I think Pablo was such a big signing. We gave him a lot of money that you want to see him play. And, you know, he was the guy who hit three home runs in a single World Series game, so that's something not a lot of guys can do. So he has flashes of greatness. You know, let's see what what he has to offer because... We haven't really got a we haven't really gotten a good taste of him. He was, you know, basically down in Florida all last year. So we'll definitely see. I think they play the Red Sox play Northeastern, uh, the twenty third of February. So in four days from now, it's gonna be exciting. They play uh, Northeastern, then they play Boston College. Should be a you know good game. It's kind of fun. I think the Red Sox have never lost to one of these collegiate teams. So it should be interesting. Hopefully we get the W, but you know it's just a little tease, and then the normal Grapefruit League starts up uh, in a couple weeks, and then from there it's a couple weeks, and you know before you know it we'll be talking about opening day and the Pittsburgh Pirates matchup with the with the Red Sox. So it's the end is in sight. Spring's almost here. It's supposed to be warm in Massachusetts this week. I think it's going to climb up to like 60 degrees. Uh, so that should be exciting, but. You know, it's kind of a little low right now. You've got the NBA on all-star break. You've got the NHL coming back from a break. And 
baseball isn't really it's just starting up and you know the the football season's obviously over so you know right now it's a little bit of a lull but hopefully we get to you know get to enjoy some sports coming back up i'm super excited for the red Sox, and i'm excited for the closing of the nba and nhl seasons those are going to be good you know final push to see who makes the playoffs hopefully the bruins can squeak in there and hopefully the celtics can hang on to this two seed we'll find out but thank you guys for listening this was chowderhead sports we do this a couple times a week and can't really say go patriots so just go boston i don't know i don't know all right thanks guys for listening <laughs>